Hey, Kyle here. The other day I was watching TV with Xavier sitting on the couch and he was all snuggled up next to me. And all of a sudden he got just really, really excited. Like he had this just epiphany and he was so excited to share it. He, 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 he leaned over, looked up at me and he goes, dad, 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 every person is a kid because every person is a parent. And it was like this revelation, this epiphany, like, oh my goodness, like I just realized every person comes from someone else. And that statement's true. We're all progeny. We all come from somewhere and from someone. The goal of the church is to reproduce the character and priorities of our Heavenly Father into the lives of others. We all have a story we all have a background. We come from somewhere and someone. But the beautiful picture of the church is to not simply reproduce ourselves, but to reproduce the character and priorities of Jesus. And that's why at Generation Church, our vision is we say we are a community of everyday people who are committed to expanding God's family together because of Jesus for generations to come. That's who we are and why we exist. We want to see more people be part of God's family because of Jesus and what he has done for us for generations to come. We want generations to come to know the name about the Lord, to, to be told about him and who he is and what he has done for us, that every person, background, whether whether they are alone or isolated, whether they are from a different culture or different ethnicity, we want them to be told about the Lord and what he has done. And in, this is the vision akin to what Paul has for the church in Colossae. Paul himself reproduced the character and priorities of Jesus into a guy named Epaphras. And Epaphras took that and reproduced that into the lives of others. And it started a church in Colossae. And so Paul writes this letter to this church and say, okay, you guys have done well. Your faith has been known throughout the world, but let's make sure we have these core tenets so that you can keep doing it, so that you can continue to keep the main thing, the main thing. And so Paul says, the mystery of Christ has been made known to you. That the substance by which you should live your life and filter everything through is Jesus. And because of that, you now have new life. You've been adopted into God's family. And again, that, that's what who, Generation churches is. We have all been adopted into God's family. We want to see others become part of God's family because we believe God's family is the best family to be a part of because there are certain characters and priorities that are manifest in God's family. And that's where we land in Colossians chapter 3. Is this family is the embodiment of who Jesus is on earth. So these character and priorities will show up in different relationships and in different ways. And so first, Paul looks at the church in general as we look at backgrounds and, and stories and says Christ is in all and is all collectively. And then Paul says, okay, let's begin to look at some of these different relationships. And first, we look at the marriage relationship in Colossians 3, 18 and 19. And then this week, we see Paul looks at the parent-child relationship. 
And whether or not you have a great relationship with your parent or that's fractured or whether or not you, you completely understand what this picture of God as father is. While even you may yourself not be a parent, part of our followership of Jesus requires us to be spiritual parents. Thus, as we invest in the lives of others, the same principles that we will look at today apply to you. The good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection affects the relationships within society, affects relationships within the church, and relationships within the home. Paul says in Colossians 3 verse 20, he says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not provoke your children so that they won't become discouraged. We want generations to come to know the name of the Lord. And so as we look at these relationships, these principles that we will look at today will directly apply to as you invest into the lives of others, as you see the character and priorities of Jesus reproduced into the lives of others. And what's fascinating in this section is Paul addresses the children as responsible persons within the congregation. We do our best here at Generations Church to ensure that kids aren't just shuttled off into a corner to be quiet. Rather, we want them to be active participants in the faith community. Again, that's where our name comes from. That's what we are about. And so we want to make sure, kids, as you listen to this, that that maybe you're, you're off color and maybe you're running around the house right now, hear from me that you are valued, that you are loved, and you are welcome and wanted part of the faith community. And if you are watching this and you are thinking about what it means for your kids to be part of the faith community, what I will lay out as we look specifically at kids, the responsibility that Paul gives to them in their followership of Jesus, know that we want to help you along in that journey. The call for kids, for children, is to obey your parents in all things. Paul has in mind children who are still in their parents' household and under their authority. When a child is grown and out of his parents' household, he's no longer under the same obligation to obedience. But the obligation to honor your father and mother, as in other places of Scripture, is still there. And the reason is is because the union, the oneness that is placed within marriage, the the independentness of, of a kid that moves out of the household, then towards maturation and being an adult, their obligation is to obey Jesus first. And then as they have that relationship with marriage that we looked at last week, that will become manifest. So Paul is addressing kids within the household. Now, just because you've turned 18, if you're still living at home and you're not married, this applies to you as well. You are under the authority of your parents. And I know that can seem countercultural. But we've got to understand what Paul is looking at is is the home is to be a microcosm of the church. There is a right order and a right loving order within the home to best be the picture of God's family within the world, to represent who Jesus is to the world. Now, this call to obey parents in all things assumes the goodness of Christian parents and therefore requires children to do what good parents instruct. 
If your parents are directing you to follow in the ways of Jesus and bringing you up with that covering, then you should obey your parents. And just as I briefly discussed last week, if, if children, if your parents are instructing you to sin as you are growing in your followership of Jesus, you've got to have that conversation with those parents. And we've got to understand that obedience is learned. Kids, you've got to strengthen your obedience muscle. Just as someone goes to work out, to lift weights, to run, to get in shape, to get into condition, obedience is learned. We've got to condition ourselves to obey because obedience is not our natural bent. Even Jesus had to learn obedience during his earthly existence. So kids who are watching this or listening from a distance, here's some ways that you can strengthen your obedience muscle with your parents, which will then translate to your obedience muscle being strengthened in your followership of Jesus. Do the simple tasks they ask you to do around the household. Second, ask questions to learn, not to challenge. I know there's a temptation when you can ask why or that quick comeback to your parent to, to try to throw them off guard. But a question can be asked in sincerity to learn and to grow and to understand as opposed to challenge. Now, parents, I've given your kids permission to ask you questions, which means I would encourage you to evaluate some of the decisions that you are making as parents, and we'll get to you here in a second. But think about that. Why are you making certain decisions for your kids? And be prepared to answer them both in a scripturally way, in a way that helps them mature to become a fully functioning adult. As parents and just adults in general, we've all had that experience when you've told your kid or told a kid, no, stop, and they look at you with those big eyes and that smiling face and proceed to do the exact opposite of what you have instructed them to do. Just as obedience isn't our natural bent to our parents, obedience to God is not our natural bent either. So our obedience muscles must be strengthened. And that first starts in the home for it is pleasing to the Lord. This is one of the important reasons for a child's obedience. It pleases God. When a child respects the parent's authority, they are respecting God's order of authority in other areas of life because God has entrusted parents to raise children who love Jesus and leave the home as responsible adults. This is also inherent within the Trinity, within God himself as a being. We see two titles of care and submission between the Father and the Son. As kids, when we do not follow God's design in this way, it goes against the very nature of God. So when you rebel and reject your parents' guidance, you aren't simply rebelling and rejecting against them. You are rebelling and rejecting God himself. Why do you obey your parents, your guardians, whom God has entrusted care over you because of Jesus. Children, your goal is to be an obedient follower of Jesus. And it begins with learning obedience at home. Learning obedience starts at home. And we want those obedience muscles to be strong so that you 
can learn to obey Jesus in difficult situations in every aspect and area of life as you grow up. Because following Jesus is a lifelong journey. And so just as I'll address parents and means of grace here in a moment, we don't expect you to be perfect as kids, but we want you to continue to grow and progress in your followership of Jesus because following Jesus is a lifelong journey and foundation of learning how to obey God will help you for the rest of your life. And now to you, parents. The scripture says, fathers, do not provoke your children. Children have a responsibility to obey, but parents have a responsibility to not provoke or exasperate their children. And while your Bible maybe says fathers, the, the, the context here and what the picture is, is those who are guardians, those who are parents, those who are stewarding kids' lives, they are to not provoke children. One of the ways that parents and guardians provoke children is by using shame and guilt as weapons through words and actions in an attempt to control, maintain power, gain approval, or feel good about themselves. Well, at times, these actions of using shame or guilt on kids and in parenting may have short-term positive results. They will have long-term negative consequences. Parents, your goal is to raise kids that love Jesus and have the capacity to reproduce his character and priorities into others. And the good news of Jesus, the good news of the gospel is that he paid for our guilt and our shame on the cross and replaces that guilt and shame with honor, responsibility, and innocence. And so we should parent in that same way. And that will be reflected in how we interact with our kids. For better or for worse, we reproduce what we are, not what we want to be. So we cannot afford to be ignorant of our own hypocrisy or even perceived hypocrisy. The, the mantra, do as I say, but not as I do, doesn't work. Because as we want our kids to follow Jesus well, more is caught than taught. And I know I threw out a couple maxims there, but I think that helps us to understand and become aware that as we think through certain areas of parenting and, and how we want to raise our kids in this age, whether it's time with technology, exercise, good eating habits, the way in which we communicate with our kids and with our spouse, and even our own followership of Jesus that leads to our own change. The way in which we present that to our kids will be internalized by them. They observe in ways and receive, they, they watch us and they see us interact in some of these ways. And they will be aware of the do as I say, but not as I do. And just one real quick way, as I've seen this in my own life in a little bit of a silly way, is as Ruth and I think about our kids and helping them develop good exercise and eating habits, 
it sends different messages when we say, okay, you've had a, a popsicle and that's all the sugar you have for the day. And they come down later at night and they see me have a popsicle and then a bowl of ice cream and then maybe even a bag of chips and then a, a chocolate bar. And they're like, dad, you're eating all this extra chocolate. And though I am adult and have the capacity and choice to make my own decisions, little things like that can be perceived as hypocrisy. And so I am growing in my awareness. And parents, I would encourage you to look at some of those areas of your life, time with technology, exercise, good eating habits, communication, and your own time with Jesus, reading your Bible, prayer, and fellowship with those in the church, spending time in community with others in the church. That's what that word fellowship there means. Your kids will latch onto that and they will they will internalize that because we reproduce what we are, not what we want to be. And when we try to reproduce what we want to be and not what we are, these kids, our kids will become discouraged. Paul says, lest they become discouraged when we provoke and exacerbate them in that way. Paul is exhorting the parents to raise kids in such a way to avoid provoking a rebellious attitude in them. Parents who berate or embitter the child flattens kids' maturation and converts that child to anger. Children who grow up with parents who provoke them in, in some of the ways that I've already mentioned and in a very important way that I'll get to here in a moment will become discouraged. They will not feel the love and support from their parents like they should and they will come to believe that the whole world is against them because they feel their parents are against them. And for better or for worse, how they see and interact you will also reflect how they see and interact with God. Do not despair, though. Though we may attempt to change the heart with law, only grace can accomplish a changed heart. The goal is maturation as a person that faithfully follows and obeys Jesus, and we can model this over the long haul. Parenting is tough, I don't say that because I'm an expert, but because I was that duplicitous and manipulative kid who gave my parents all kinds of trouble. And the way in which parents, I think sometimes we, we try to achieve a level of control, gain approval, maintain a level of power, or even feel good about ourselves is in something called trophy parenting. Growing up playing sports, entering competitions, uh, when I would place or others would place, we received a trophy or a medal. In our merit-saturated culture, we attempt to earn merit in many ways. One of those ways is through our kids. And again, it's because we want to reproduce our character and priorities into their lives. And so the way in which we see them can often become in an, an idolatrous way. But parents, if you are not resting as a parent in your identity in Christ, you will either feel prideful or despair based on your kids' behavior. You will look for your identity in your children. So parents, look for your identity in Christ, not for your identity in your kids. Because your kids will feel the weight when you place your identity in them. And so if we look for identity in our, our children, we will treat them as trophy kids. And it will come through when we push personal agendas, and the kids will miss out 
and identifying their God-given personality, passions, and spiritual gifts. And parents, you may be feeling some of that internally. You may be thinking about your relationships with your parents and how you feel pressured and or felt pressured in some of those ways. And, and you're bound to determine not to do that with your kids. But sometimes, again, we reproduce who we are, not what we want to be. And so trophy children are never really about the children as much as they are about the parent. And there's a book by Ted Cunningham called Trophy Child. And this is a really helpful resource that I would encourage you to go and look up if you are a parent or you desire to be a parent to know how you are sometimes placing your identity on your kids rather than receiving and resting your identity from Christ. And I want to give you a snapshot real quick with some reflection questions. Here are five sure indicators that you are not receiving and resting your identity in Christ, and in fact, receiving and resting in your identity, receiving that from your kids. The first is too much focus on success. So here's questions to reflect on. In what ways do you see your children as extensions of yourself? What are some expectations that need to be lowered? How do you define commitment to a sport or activity? Is it season to season, year to year? Is it a commitment for life? The second indicator, too much concern about your reputation. Have you ever disciplined your children to meet the expectations of someone watching? Have you ever found yourself saying, they're a good kid, they just fell in with the wrong crowd? Indicator three, too great a desire for control. What activities give you the most anxiety in parenting? Have you ever rescued your child too quickly before all lessons could be learned? Indicator four, too much emphasis on doing rather than being. Can you think of two or three children you regularly compare to your kids? What is driving your need to compare your children to others? When was the last time you admitted you were wrong to your kids or ask them for forgiveness. Indicator five, too much temptation to make it personal. What if any emotional needs are you asking your children to meet for you? Quality time, validation, comfort? If married, do you have a stronger desire to bond with your spouse than with your kids? Remember, Paul is sharing these applications, saying don't exacerbate your kids to provoke them to anger. Because Paul's first calling for this group of individuals in Colossae is to make Christ the substance of their life. You will get it wrong. Admit that you are wrong and make mistakes to God and to your kids. And you may be wondering as you process some of those questions, as we talk about parenting, whether you're a parent or you're just simply trying to invest in others. So will, and you may be asking, so will I screw them up? Will I screw up my kids? And I know that can be a fear and, and a worry. At the end of the day, we can embrace our inability and not worry our way through our parenting years. Why? Because as, a, as parents, we serve a glorious, loving 
and a powerful redeemer. He delights in love. He delights in reconciliation. He delights in repentance and change. God is with you. He wants what is best for you and your children. And no one but he has the power to produce it. He has not placed the burden of change on your shoulders because he would not require you to do what you cannot do. So in this moment, whoever you are, wherever you are, recognize first that you are a child, a child of God. And your obedience belongs to God first because of who he is and what he has done for you. He has not left you as an orphan off on your own, but he welcomes you graciously back into his family because of Jesus. And that relationship with Jesus will transform your parenting. It will transform your relationship with others. And in fact, right now, maybe you're a single parent. Maybe you're someone who aspires to be a parent or Maybe your kids have, are not walking with Jesus. You were never meant to parent alone. You have others here at Generation Church who are committed to seeing the family of God expand for generations to come. And we want to walk that journey with you. And we are everyday people just like you with all kinds of different backgrounds and stories. And you are not alone. Because we have realized that we are not alone. God is changing and transforming us. And we want to help you walk that journey. Generations to come, we want them to know about the name of the Lord and what he has done. And generations to come will learn about the name of the Lord and what he has done when a church community identifies that we cannot have our identity and other people. Our identity must first be found in Jesus. And we can help kids and parents find their identity first in Jesus because he does not parent, he does not love us, he does not weaponize shame and grace. He welcomes us back. And we don't have to bow to the idols of our age. We can place Jesus at the center and reproduce his character and priorities in the lives of others through the power of his Holy Spirit.